Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski, and today we have Phil Gerbaschek. He is the man with yellow sunglasses. He is the man with digital selling strategies, a sales trainer, and a public speaker. Nick, why should people listen? Phil gives us some best practices around getting around gatekeepers or getting partnered with gatekeepers, and also why remembering your customer's birthday could be a great way to get new referrals. Three, two, one, happy birthday to me! Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. All right, Phil, welcome to the show. You know we start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways, so let's get your three. Sure. First one, prepare and practice before your prospect. Get ready before you actually start prospecting. Get everything ready. Practice saying people's names and say what you need to say out loud so you don't fumble in real time. 
Beautiful. What's number two, Phil? Number two, value over volume, always. So as you're preparing for that appointment with your prospect, find out what they value and make sure you deliver it, which means sometimes you have to recommend somebody else for the business. You can't solve every problem, but when you do, you will have a customer for life. Cool. What's the last one, Phil? Last one, connection starts with happy birthday. First, you got to add your birthday to all your social media, make it public so everyone can see it. Why? Because connection starts with happy birthday. And if you share your birthday, others are likely to share yours and theirs with them, with you, so that you can start conversations and make connection count. So what are you doing? Let's say you want to break into an account. Are you just saying, well, I guess we're not going to email these guys until their birthday comes around? Like, how do you actually operationalize that? Great question. And the key to that is it isn't just birthday, right? But it starts with birthday. That's an easy one for people. Could be an anniversary, could be a promotion, could be anything noteworthy that you can remark on. The key is to start with something you can actually talk about instead of talking about yourself, right? If I was calling someone that the two of you know, I would mention one of the two of you, making it not about me, not even about the prospect, but about something we have in common so we can start the process going forward. So other than like birthday and anniversary, special dates in all of our lives, what other things are you looking at to make it about them? Well, anything that anybody posts, anything that their company posts, anything that is relevant to their job title, anything that's relevant to their industry, anything that's relevant to their location, right? Anything that could matter to them, I want to have ready because I want to find something to connect with. I want to find something that's of value to them that I can lead with right away so that they see that I'm not going to waste their time, so that they can see that I'm going to be a trusted partner and not just someone who's like, okay, so you want to buy my stuff? Because it's really, really good. Nobody cares. Okay. So Phil, you, you've used this phrase, trusted partner. And in the beginning, you said, sometimes that means you might even recommend somebody else, which means you don't get the deal. And I always struggle with this because I'm like, what if my boss finds out and they want to fire me because I sent the business elsewhere? What should I be thinking about as a salesperson in a situation like that? So here, here's what I do, right? I, I ask the question to find out like, what's really going on in your organization. What are the real problems that you're experiencing? With the person I referred away four times last week, here's what happened. His website wasn't converting at all. In fact, he had typos on there that made it look impossible to do business with him. He had no live chat on there. The, his email address was spelt wrong. There were typos throughout the website and no actual phone number even on the website. Well, if he hired me to do his sales, right? Because that's what we do at Process and Results, right? We run your sales. Had he hired us, and I'd send traffic to that website, they'd have never been able to call us. They'd have never been able to do business anyway. So, okay, so get that fixed. Get, get that fixed first. Okay, what else do they need, right? So we talked about that. And the key is uncover problems that are impediments to you actually being successful. I'm not saying apples to apples. No, no, there's no comparison. But I'm not a website developer. You're not going to hire me to develop your website. You're going to help me, hire me to help you kick butt at sales, to run your sales team. That's why you're hiring me. That's why you're working with process and results. It's not just for your website. Does that make sense? I think what you're pointing out is a super, super important piece here is you're not just blindly throwing somebody to a competitor. What you're doing is you're almost mapping out what are the steps that someone needs to take in order to have my solution. And sometimes there are steps that they have not taken yet. And you can either go and tell them to take those steps, or you can walk them through those and have a book of referrals. 
when I was selling at Carta, a lot of times we would get deals that were held up because a company wanted to issue out equity, but first their lawyers needed to draft up their option plans and they didn't have a lawyer yet. And I was the first person who had a Rolodex of 10 attorneys that I could refer them to, to speed up that process. And I knew they were going to recommend it back to me. And so either way, the deal is going to get kicked out. It's on you whether or not you want to put the pieces together and accelerate that deal for somebody who might not be ready today. So Phil and Armand, both of what you guys are doing here is really great discovery. And Oftentimes, customers are coming to us not with just one problem that exactly fits what we're able to solve. They're coming with a series of problems that are all interconnected in a way. If I think about your example, Armand, you've got the lawyers, you've got the cap table, you've got trying to get this all organized. Phil, the person you worked with, had a couple of different problems. And so I'm assuming when you're talking to these folks in a discovery call, you're trying to steer the conversation towards the things that you can actually help with and address. And so how do you steer and direct the conversation so you're talking about your thing as opposed to just like, tell me all your problems. And next thing you know, they're telling you about how they, they're in a failed relationship. We don't want to be life coaches here. We don't want to be marriage counselors. We want to be solution sellers. And, and that's important. And how do we do that? Well, we know our solutions and we know the questions that we need to ask to uncover whether or not they're ready. So we ha- that's where that preparation practice comes in, why it's so important. We have to have 10, 20, 30 problems that we can solve for, 10, 20, 30, 50 questions that get to those problems that help us there. I call it leading to the solution, not leading with the solution, right? That's really important. I want to lead them there, lead them to that solution. So they, they can see themselves, is this a problem worth solving? Or is this just a problem that was manufactured? Now, part of that, if I take a bigger step back, is they're not a professional buyer, but I'm a professional seller. What do I mean by that? Right? We have a buyer who maybe makes a buying purchase once or twice a career before they get promoted, before they do something else. Whereas I have sold this 10 times, 50 times, 100 times, 1,000 times, however many I have, right? I'm a professional seller. It is my job to help guide them to be a Sherpa towards that solution. When they see it, they're like, oh yeah, that's worth solving. Oh yeah, that that's a problem. And then I have the credibility that says, you know what? I worked with 79 other people this month that had a similar problem, not the exact same problem, because nobody has the exact same problem, but we have similar problems. And here's how they solved it. Would you like to know more? So Phil, I'm not sure if this is something that you do really often, but one of the things you're doing is you're using what we call typically language, or typically when I'm talking to customers, they see things like this, which is similar to your situation. And that's a form of storytelling. A lot of people talk about, oh, you need to tell stories to sell, but very few people can actually break down what that means. So could you give us a sense, are you using storytelling tactics throughout your sales cycle? And if so, how are you doing that? I'll give you an example that I can use and and a simple way when I'm teaching selling, or I'm doing it myself. And that's what I call the then, now, how kind of method of that. So then, right before, before the solution was in place, this was the state. Now, after you've seen it, right now, here's the happier state, the better state, the more profitable state. And then how did we get there? So then, now, and how? And to your point, we always have to say typically if we've actually solved this problem before, because it's never all and it's never none, because if it was none, then it's a solution. You know, that's like a venereal disease. We don't want that, right? We want a solution. 
here, guys. We want something that actually solves problems. So we have to say typically, because you know, your results may vary, right? All past performance is not indicative of future results, all that other crap, right? All that other silly disclaimer language. But we say typically because people want to know. So what is a typical person doing? Because I know I'm special, right? My problem is not your problem. Your problem is not my problem. We're all special, but yet we're not, right? Typically, this is what a CMO does. Typically, this is what a business owner does. And remember that no matter how well you get along, Typically, your customer wants to hear that you have a process. They want to hear that you have going from point A to point B to point C to point D. They have to know that you have that because if they don't, well, then you're a creative agency. You're not really a problem solver, right? You're just spitballing stuff up. Then you're a laboratory instead of a system. This typically language thing, I want to dig into it. I've heard people use it in implementations. When people are asking, like, when should I get on board? What times of the call or what are some example situations where you might use typically language? Well, anytime you want to reassure someone that they're not alone in this decision, it's a great time to use typically. So you can tell that they're thinking, huh, have you ever solved this problem before for people like me? Great opportunity to use typically. Have you ever gotten results that have exceeded expectations? Great time to use typically. And then anytime you can sense or that they even say, because sometimes people say, well, what do people typically do? They're looking for your guidance there, in which case you offer that. You know, great question. Typically what happens is, blah, 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 and we do that, right? Typically, this is what happens. Typically, the next step is that we would send you a proposal and you'd sign it. Typically then, within seven days, we'd get that signature back. And then typically, we'd invoice you. And, and our typical terms are 15 days. And then we'd stop right there. And then we have to be quiet. Because we don't want to say, well, do you need something special? Because then if they say no, well, then they admitting, they're just admitted that they're not special. And what you're doing is you're making them think, there's got to be something I missed, right? The Ron Popeil, but wait, there's more. No, there's not more. This is really simple. Typically, here's how it goes. So one of the things that I'm getting a sense of is a theme with you is you're putting these, you call them deposits, right? And so you're putting in goodwill deposits where you're recommending them to people in your referral network or to competitors, or you're telling them stories about customers and giving them best practices. What other places or where else are you giving deposits in your sales cycle? The deposit could just be some encouragement. Hey, Nick, I see you're going through some tough stuff, man. I hope you make it through. I've got one of my former sales leaders that potentially one day I'll do some training for again, where I know he's going through a tough time. So I mean, sure, I leave him just a 60 second voice message, just uplifting him, cheering him on. Great way to leave a deposit, lead him to the fact that I'm the solution, not even the products and services that we offer, but that I'm part of the solution. So he calls me back and now we talk about him. So Phil, one of the deposits I know you've talked about making is being really cognizant of the reputational risk that your buyer is taking. And I, I know you've even done this with getting around or working with gatekeepers before. So can you talk a little bit about what that looks like? Sure. So everybody is making a risk by saying yes to you. Everybody. Whether you're at the grocery store, you're talking to you know, the person on the phone that's answering the phone or you're talking to the ultimate decision maker, doesn't matter. Everybody's at risk because what they don't want is they don't want the next person up to be yelling at them. They don't want to say, you idiot, why would you make that connection? Why would you make that recommendation? Why would you let that person get through? I'm paying you to stop that 
from coming through. So everybody has that. So just say it. You know, Nick, I know it's a big risk that you're talking about. Here's all I need. I just need five minutes of Armand's time. Just five minutes. I promise that's all I'll take. If you get me five minutes, I'm just going to say these three things. And if there's more conversation to have, I'll schedule more time. And if there's not, it's no problem. But I know that you're taking a risk. And I really appreciate you taking that risk. And then, because typically they'll kick that down the road, right? They'll wait till there's actual time. In between there is the most important thing. And you have to reaffirm that they made the right decision. It's almost like buyer's remorse. You have to reaffirm, you know what? Hey, remember, I know you talked about this. You were concerned, but I just want to let you know, I'm a person of my word. I'm only going to take those five minutes and I'll be careful with that, right? And if you have any questions, any concerns, you know, here's my cell number. Just give me a call. And what will often happen is you'll get, I've gotten that call that says, you know, Phil, Jerry's running five minutes late and I know you only had five minutes. So he's going to be really rushed. But I tell you what, if you just take two minutes just to even introduce yourself and let him know that you know he's on a tight time crunch, I'll make sure that I get 30 minutes another time. It's happened to me countless times. I asked for five minutes. I got to plus 30. I want to go back to when you say, hey, I want to tell them these three things. My guess is they're not, well, our company does this. I'd like to sell you our products and services. So how are you doing that in a slick fashion so that you don't come off like a commissioned breast salesperson? What are the things that executives in that position, that decision makers in that position, what are they challenged with? Or sometimes it's a request for insight. So I'm going to ask the question, you know what? I wanted to see what John had to say about this challenge that I've heard over and over again. And because John is a thought leader in that field, in your industry, in your location, in that position, right? Whatever it is, because that person is a thought leader, I was hoping to just get five minutes of time to ask them just a couple of questions. And I'm only going to take five minutes. Be really clear about that. You're either asking for help from that executive, from that decision maker, or you're offering some insight based on, again, typically executives in this position have these challenges. And I want to see, because if John does, does too, I think I can help him. So Phil, you talked about you're not lying. You're not trying to deceive this gatekeeper. What is coming out of your mouth when they pick up the phone and they say, hello, XYZ Corporation? Hi, it's Phil. Is John available? Yes, but what is this regarding? And then I go right into there. I've got a question that I need John's help with, or I was wondering if John was struggling with this because I've talked to 74 other executives this week, and this is a typical problem they have. And if they do, I'd just like to learn a little bit more. It'll just take me five minutes. Beautiful. You got to be quiet then after that. Yeah. Because that person is processing. They're assessing all the risks. They're having that. And if they wait too long, right, you can even ask, oh, so were you looking at the calendar? Because it looks like Tuesday would be good for me. The assumptive close, if that doesn't work, then we back into the reputational risk thing. Hey, I know this is a concern. Listen, I'm a person of my word. All I need is five minutes. Just going to ask this couple questions. That's all I got. But you have to be quiet. You have to be willing to listen and to hear what happens there. Because you might hear a, which means this is probably the 57th time this person has been called today. And you can then say, hey, 
Jan. I understand. It's been a long day. What's going on? And let them talk. I got one more question that I want to ask Phil about, because you mentioned, hey, I've got other people who are happy who are doing this. You kind of almost alluded to giving referrals. And I'm wondering if you have any quick hit best practices around customers says, hey, I'm interested. We're close to signing, but I want to talk to a referral. What does that look like? How do you respond to that to make sure that you nail it? Yeah, I ask the question, first of all, what are you hoping to get from the referral? Is there a question that you'd like to get answered? Are you looking for some confirmation of this? Because I've got a lot of customers that are very happy, but I want to get the right customer for you. I want to make sure that I get the right referral for you. So if you can tell me just a little bit more what you're hoping to get, I'd be happy to provide that information to you. And then secondly, I want to ask them for permission to be a referral. I want to ask them for permission because I know they're super busy, just like you are. And if possible, I'd like to broker that introduction via email just so that it comes from someone trusted and not from a stranger. You can set it up after that, but that first message I'd like to send. So it would look something like this in that email. Hey, Nick, you said that you would like to find out if there are any Fortune 500 companies in the Philadelphia area that have solved this particular problem with the software, with the service that Phil has. And Armand, you used our product and used our service successfully. You're at a Fortune 500 company and you're in the Philadelphia area. So I hope you could spend just 10 or 15 minutes connecting with each other. I'm out. If you need me, you let me know. You know, I'm always here. But if not, I don't need to be involved anymore. And then, Nick, I'll be following up with you in just a couple of days just to make sure that that referral went off or to see if you wanted to talk to anybody else. Really simple, right? Really simple. But I want to stay in the middle. I always want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So permission helps me with that. Well, Phil, we've had a great episode. We've talked about discovery. We've talked about referrals. We've talked about being a real person and assessing reputational risk. It's time we move to the final question. So we've talked a lot about, I'm going to change this up on you because we've changed the final question here. We've talked about a lot of things that salespeople should be focusing on related to their sales role. And my question for you is, what is one thing outside of work that salespeople should be doing regularly to help them get better at their jobs? Regularly, you should be reading and listening to books, not just podcasts. The podcasts are fantastic for quick hits and quick nuggets of information, but longer form books. They'll help you for three reasons. One, they help you be a better storyteller because you have to see it weave in and out. Great thing, really important as a sales professional. Second thing, the reason that books help you is because they help you understand new language, new vocabulary, because not everybody talks like you. And the third one, even if it isn't a sales book, and I would tell you don't just read sales books, but do read books, is it gives you something else to talk about to show that you're not just a quarter-crushing President's Club killer. It shows that you have some interest. So maybe it's Jerry Seinfeld's new book. You know, Maybe it's The Prairie Home Companion by Garrison Keillor. I don't care, right? Just read something else you can talk about so you have something to better relate to your customers with. Again, part of being human is knowing a little bit beyond sales. And that's why I recommend reading books. I love that. Don't be just a salesperson. And of course, we got to give you one chance, Phil. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we jump off here? Well, I just say go to processandresults.com. We've got a newsletter that comes out every week with a new sales process that folks can use. We're launching a podcast coming up soon. 
lots of stuff out there. And I would say, remember, any sales process can work if you take the time to actually do the work and work it. Everybody, processandresults.com, actually do the work. The man with the yellow glasses, Phil, here comes a 60-second recap email. Coming up soon. Adios, folks. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Phil Gerbyshek include number one, Figure out what the problems are that impede your customer from signing onto your product and build a network of referrals for those problems. Number two, then, now, how? Then, back then, before it was a big problem, now we're in a much happier state. How, this is how you actually accomplish that. Number three, any time a customer is unsure if someone else has had the problem that they're having, that is a great time to use typically language. And then number four, call into one persona for a full hour. Do not switch personas constantly. Practice one persona and get some momentum so it doesn't feel like your first call ever. Nick, how can people help us out here? All right, well, you made me think when you were talking about time blocking and best practices around structuring your day, because we actually did a whole episode around how to be a machine. So go back, it's located between episodes 20 and 21, How to Be a Machine, and we'll see y'all next week on 30 Minutes of President's Club. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes.
This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. 